Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show where we talk about short video games, the kind of thing you can complete in an evening or a weekend, games that respect your time. I'm your host, Reagan Kelly, and I am joined this week by Laura Nash. How are you doing, Laura? I'm terrific. And Nate Heidinger. How are you doing, Nate? I'm doing well. Uh, systematically destroying every single radio tuner that I own, <laughs> just in case. What decade are you living in that you own, like, radio tuners? The only one I have in my house is in my car. Nate's old school, man. It's, that was one of them, uh, which, by the way, I need a ride. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, just got a lot of radio tuners. Not at, Well, I'd less now, <laughs> thanks to this game. So for those of you listeners who still have radios in your homes, uh, the game that we are talking about today will make you want to throw them out. Um, and that's Oxenfree by Night School Studios. Oxenfree is a point-and-click... Actually, point-and-click is the wrong phrase, because I used a controller on this. It's a uh, it's an adventure game. It's a walk-and-hit-space-bar adventure game. Walk-and-talk. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a Sorkin simulator. And <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a game about a bunch of teens. Uh, it, people have kind of compared it in tone to things like The Goonies or Stand By Me, which actually I think is a little bit accurate, but not really also accurate at all. Um, it, it's a game about a bunch of teens in the Pacific Northwest who go on a sort of a, I guess, camping trip. Mainly they're heading out to the beach on a little island to try and have a party. Senior tradition, man. Or yeah. junior class tradition, I believe they say. Man, high school Yeah, seniors. but everybody bails except for the five of them. So <laughs> They're not very popular. Because, you know, you can't you, you can't do an adventure game with uh, the entire senior class of a high school. <laughs> that would be a colossal undertaking. Uh, we just played Life is Strange. Yes, you can. <laughs> you have an excellent point. There's a lot of comparisons to be made between this and Life is Strange, but it's not an episodic game. It's very tight. It's very compact. This is a game that's you know, a single story told well, I would say, over the course of, what, maybe four hours? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I played this all in one day, but it was a day where I didn't do a whole lot of stuff. So I just kind of, like, would play for an hour or so, go into a different room in my house, and then be like, oh, I'm going to go play more Oxenfree. But I did complete it in one day uh, without it feeling like I played, like, an absurd amount. So I think it was somewhere around, like, three to four Um which I feel like that would be probably the average. The game is from Night School Studios, which is brand new. This is their very first game. And uh, so like a lot of new studios, they like to really mention their previous jobs a lot in their marketing. So uh, the, the main things that they tout are that there is a bunch of developers here who are formerly of Telltale and also some artists formerly of Disney. And I think that's really like they're really trying to tell you straight up front what you're getting here like this is a game that it does its own thing somewhat but the dialogue system is very rooted in the sort of inventions of telltale the way that they innovated in the adventure game genre and the art style is straight out of the background art of sleeping beauty era disney it's gorgeous the backgrounds look a lot more like the concept artists or story artists. The it doesn't look exactly like that polished Disney look. It's a little bit more painterly. Yeah. But you can definitely see that kind of um, style where there's a really strong outline to things, and it's been dabbed over by color that looks like background painting. I thought of Ori actually, and maybe that was just the way the the map was put together. But I kind of felt some similarities to 
um, the look of Ori in this. Yeah, it's becoming a bit of a, uh, a cliche to call the art style in a game painterly, but this really looks like it. Like almost Dogs every of paint. Yeah, yeah, physical paint. Like this is a very. Um, you, you can see that this is obviously. I think this is digital painting, um, but it almost isn't. Like it really does look like some. And this was all created like in Photoshop. You know, we're not talking about three D renders here. This is a very physical looking painting. Yeah. They use the Unity engine for this game. Yes, but all of the art is 2D except the characters. So the engine, you know, almost doesn't matter. Like, we're not talking mm-hmm. about a 3D game sure. here. The the characters themselves are, are tiny on screen and really are, you know, the only 3D thing in the world, including, like, the, the land that they're walking on is all just a sort of 2D painting of uh, of a landscape with paths and things sort of drawn into it. I would say they are Sims-like both in their appearance and in their motion and in the way they express themselves. <laughs> That's a bit of a diss, That's but I kind of know that. what you're coming from. I, yeah, I, I don't mean that as a diss, but it's true. Like, it's fine, but they, like, gesture at each other and little thought bubbles pop up, and they're tiny enough that you can't make out very good individual features. And only one person can go down a ladder at a time. Very polite. Yeah, it made me think. Of, it made me think of The Sims a lot. But you're right; that sounded like a diss. I don't mean it that way. It's just, I mean, anytime you have a, a little, a tiny sprite with a little thought bubble and just like an image in it, gonna think The Sims. And all the thought bubbles are colored, as if you're picking very different branches. Um, they don't really seem to have meaning to them. But I mean, the whole color scheme is very Pacific Northwest. It's got this kind of faded, misty hipster. I mean, it's an island in the middle of the night. What are you going to do? But um, I think at times when they wanted to use color, it stuck out real strong. So I, the background wasn't helpful. It didn't really tell me what it wanted me to do. It took me a while at the beginning to be like, oh, uh, that's a wall I'm supposed to climb. Oh, okay. But that was easy because I only had four buttons, up, down, left, right, and I figured down was what I needed to do next. So I started climbing down. <laughs> yeah. You can start figuring it out, but... It's not doesn't make it easy for you. But I think structure wise, this is a uh, uh, this is a, an adventure game that draws really heavily on some of the trends in things like games that you'd call walking simulators. O- Oxenfree is really telling you its story through dialogue and through exploration of a space and kind of you know finding uh, items. You're not really solving puzzles here. Um, you know, you're uh, you're hardly even. Uh, like when you think of dialogue in adventure games, you think of I'm going to walk up to that person, click on them, and look at a menu of dialogue options. But here, we're really hearing one string of dialogue, one conversation, um, almost like the sort of conversation you'd hear in a, a television show or a radio play, or heck, even an audiobook. Like this is a this is a continuous conversation. This game from beginning to end is basically one long conversation between these five uh, teenagers on this island. And that conversation is the game. Like, there's there's things to do. You know, you can interact with objects. You can pick some things up. You can flip some switches. But pretty much your main interaction with this world, apart from walking just from place to place, is just picking dialogue choices. And whether you pick those choices or not, the conversation is going to continue. This this dialogue has like a real serious clip to it, a pace that I've not seen in dialogue in a video game before. I mean, those are some chatty ass kids, but I'll also <laughs> say that it's 
There's two mechanics. You also have a radio, so you can hear more talking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there were, uh, no joke, there were, there were some times in this game that I wish I did not control a character and that I just wish that I like made the dialogue <clears throat> choices and just watched it play out. Because oh, yeah. like the controlling of the character is such a minimal element. Uh, so much so, all throughout your your traveling, there's like little obstructions in the road that you have to press like X to get your character over. Yeah, little um, um, ledges to jump up on. That yeah, kind of thing. ledges and cliffs, and you're not jumping. You're going up to you're pressing X, and your character jumps. So you're not like timing a jump or anything like that. Um, and I was think I was trying to think like why is that there? And I think it really is because they needed some sort of like act, like something for the player to do in between walking from point A to point B to point C. And they're just like, well, let's give their character like an action. Um, so you're like, you're scaling cliff walls and jumping across little ledges and stuff. And it makes all these kids like appear super ripped because they are <laughs> they are jumping across like 10 foot uh chasms cl- like just free scaling casually uh, like a, without without even breaking stride in their conversation or converse right? yeah breaking conversation like he jumps uh jonas jumps across the thing mid sentence it's a far enough jump where he <laughs> like has to land like chest high on the other side of the ledge and pull himself up and he's just like yeah, so what are you guys going to be doing this weekend? And in the middle of that sentence, slams his chest against a, a wall and climbs up. So I think it was just because like they put all that in there because it, it would really just be walking back and forth. So they had to add some like – yeah some human involvement it's it's a, it's a gorgeous uh it's a gorgeous painting you know when you're looking at it um and the mm-hmm. the movement from place to place is really just sort of about exploring this very pretty painting that you otherwise can't see the whole thing unless you walk through it but yeah really the dialogue is really the whole deal here so if you're interested in a game where you're basically going to be spending four hours uh in investing in these characters and listening to them talk and occasionally chiming in um, you know, if that's not interesting to you, this is probably not your thing. But for me, games that really focus on dialogue are really exciting. And I, I can't think of a game that I've played that has had more dialogue than this over the course of four hours. Yeah, and there's no subtitles. Yeah. And well, you actually, I think you can turn them on. You can turn them on. But yeah. Telltale, for example, it's default. That's They're true. They're turned yeah. on by default. Oh, I see. Um, yeah. And... You know, for this, I think it's only for accessibility purposes. I, I think they did not want you seeing um, the words on the screen. And I think a couple of my little nitpick qualms with this were also around some of the treatments of dialogue. I mean, sometimes things got cut off. Um, I didn't know if I was going to be interrupting yeah. if I hit yeah. the dialogue. Yeah. And I didn't want to be rude. These are fast-talking teens, and when it interrupts, like if you pick a dialogue choice in the middle of somebody else's speech, uh, and that's something... Just to, to explain what I, what I mean, you know, when other folks are talking, um, occasionally above your character, Alex's head, uh, little dialogue bubbles will pop up that you can choose with one of the buttons on the controller. If you choose one of those, sometimes she'll wait for them to finish speaking before she, ha- she has her say. And other times she will just jump in and speak. And it actually does that interruption really well. Like it, it somehow makes that interruption sound very natural and like a part of the conversation. People interrupt them, each other pretty much naturally. But sometimes you kind of just want to hear the rest of what they're saying, you know, and it feels like you got to wait to the last second to, to get your word in. Otherwise, you're interrupting and missing some dialogue. I think that 
some of the information they're trying to deliver is a little confusing because they give you little pop-ups, people's faces, and I don't know if that means I like them, I dislike them, I thought about them. That's what it, it is. Like- I think it's only I thought about them. What you're fra- Whatever you said made me made that character think about that other character for better for worse whatever yeah i I think it's a subtle subtle version of telltale's like uh so and so will remember this yeah or the little butterfly Mm -hmm. in life is strange this game is like we're saying pretty much 100 percent spoken dialogue the voice actors all did a very great job in this like i i thought each of them um were unique enough and believable um i really enjoyed that yeah, there were no uh, there were no life is strange fishermen saying buy Neptune's beard like this. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was very real. Man, I was thinking about that same thing. Like the the writing on this game was fantastic. There was um, there were never any times that I thought like that's a stupid thing that a teenager wouldn't say. Like they basically they avoid most like um, slang. You know, these are all very uh, like. Pretty well-spoken kids um, can speak their minds pretty well, so you don't have to worry about, like, adults writing teenage language with mm-hmm. this game. Like, they do a pretty good job with it. They're, like, smarter, quippier, more funny versions of your high school friends. <laughs> yeah. I love the dialogue, but I did get a little bit of Veronica Mars. Of These are, like, smart, like, 28-year-olds voicing yeah. teenagers written by 30-year-olds. Yeah, and I sure. was okay with that. Yeah. But at the beginning, it did throw me, knowing that they were setting themselves up as teenagers, that they sounded so old. Yeah. And you mentioned the voice actors. Like, they've got to be they've got to be in their 30s or something, yeah. these voice actors. Well, not all. I know Nona was in Borderlands and is maybe, like, 26, 27. Hmm. Yeah. But that's still, like, they're playing 15-year-olds. My po- whole point is that, like, I, I feel very um, – that stuff very easily pulls me out of a story. Um, especially in video games when it's like bad dialogue or bad voice acting or like just cheeky or like really lame or something. And I, and that, that part of me was never like set off in this game. I was never just like, Oh, that was stupid. You know? Um, so even though you're right, they had the, like, everyone is smarter than a real human element to it. Like they weren't being knowledgeable. They weren't being like super deeply knowledgeable adults. They were just like kids who kind of speak better than you would imagine, which yeah. is fine. They, they all have the the kind of quip that you would come up with 30 minutes after leaving the party. And, yeah. you know, but they've got it right at the right moment. Exactly. You mentioned the, the voice actress who played Nona. And I, like, I have to say, I thought the voice acting in this game was really good. I don't want to complain about any particular one, but she was my least but favorite. <laughs> yeah, I do. Like, uh, she was really flat and and sort of, uh, you know, disaffected style of, of uh, dialogue, which works for teenagers until crazy things start happening. And we will have a spoiler break here in a minute or two to talk about some of the crazy things that start happening on this island. But she was disaffected throughout, right to the end, and I just... It, it, she didn't stick out to me too bad, but once we got towards the end of the game, I didn't think she was she was quite on the same page with the other. I, yeah. I have a feeling like, the, and this is normal for voice acting, but you, you got the feeling that she definitely didn't record with the other folks, and she was kind of on a different page for them tone-wise. I would actually, I, I, I do agree with you. I would say, though, um, I actually kind of thought that for everyone, though, like... Mm-hmm. You know, they were pretty calm about it. Pretty much, like there's some. <laughs> so you know, pre-spoilers. There's some crazy shit that happens in this game, like, like beyond 
what anybody would have to go through. And for the most part, all of them keep their cool the entire time. The most are like, whoa, isn't this like, I, oh, man, I can't believe this is happening. Yeah, they are. They are right, remarkably, you know, calm and collected about what's really a strange experience. I enjoy that the game lets you be upset about things, but your friends often don't get that pleasure. Yeah. Dialogue wise, like also it does a remarkable job of sort of being like the West Wing style dialogue. Like there's there's never a break. There's never a moment when people aren't talking until suddenly there aren't. If you haven't done something you're supposed to, everyone's yeah. quiet. Yeah, like I had this moment about halfway through the game where I was trying to get across the island. And it's a big map and there's a lot of little like circuitous ways to go through every area. And it's not always really clear because the map is sort of unspecific. It's not always really clear exactly what route you're supposed to take. And I thought I was going into the right area. Um, but as it turned out, I was going entirely the wrong direction. And the only way that I figured that out was that about uh, halfway into my journey across the map, suddenly there was just no more dialogue to hear for like 10 minutes. And it was very unnerving because there's a, you know, this, this is a game where the dialogue just never, ever stops, never lets up. You're always making dialogue choices. You're always saying something, but you know, there are times where if you go down the wrong path, you won't hear anybody talk for a while and not even a hint, not even a, Hey, yeah. I don't think we're supposed to be going down this direction. Why are you going <laughs> over here? The, life is strange. I don't want to go there right now. <laughs> yeah, like nothing. And um, so I, I, I kind of felt like that took me out of it a little bit. I would have liked actually a little bit of guidance there, you know, even in just in terms of like having a character speak up and say, I don't think we're supposed to be going over here or, you know. Shouldn't we be going back to town? Or Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, the map is is beautiful. And I, and I was thinking the whole time, if, if Shane were on this episode, would he be calling it a castle Vania Troid or whatever. Because <laughs> um, there, with there are no a couple. With no platforming. Yeah, with no, no action and no items. Well, you do gain a power. Well, yeah, that that's right. You, you get, you get uh, a radio. To things you saw before. So I don't right. know. It might be mm-hmm. Metroidvania. Sure, um, sure. Why not? Yeah, it was always like satisfying because you would know you went the right way because uh, there's a lot of loading in this game. Each map, the map is broken into, I don't know, probably what, like eight? major chunks maybe six Mm -hmm. or so and as you cross between each major chunk you hit a loading screen that doesn't take too long but you go through it a lot but if you are going the right way almost every time you go into the next load screen dialogue starts right back up so you know you're going the right way if when you went into the right screen the dialogue is continuing yeah it does it does start up again but my problem there was that like if you go between areas and hit that loading screen while dialogue is ongoing, it does, it skips to something else in the dialogue. Like it doesn't continue. People don't finish their, their sentence. It will cut you off and then start a new sentence when you load into the new screen. And it doesn't always even seem related to what was being talked about before. So that, that threw me off a little bit too. I was like, please at least finish your sentence. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Say it over the loading screen or something. Yeah, well, a a game that's all dialogue, having the dialogue be interrupted or incomplete really feels weird, like frustrating weird. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And it doesn't get picked up on the next screen. So if you go through the door too fast, you're just... Never yeah, you've, you've lost it. out on that. Now, there, there's so much dialogue that it almost does feel like any individual line might not be crucial. Um, and I'm pretty sure that the real key stuff, you know, they're, they're going to make sure that you hear it. 
Um, but yeah, it, it feels weird to lose bits of the dialogue in a game where the dialogue is the whole thing. Well, they they intertwine a lot of just like teenage stuff with like um, background stuff with – I mean they just talk about a lot of things. So, They're talking about their relationships with each other, yeah. their relationships with their families and pre- and uh, and their, you know, their school and they're talking about the world around them and the creepy stuff that they're experiencing. They always have something to say. And actually there's some nice options that you have about like which people to bring with you at which time. So there's some dialogue options in terms of who you're talking to for fairly long stretches of the game. You know, there is some very standard – um, who likes who type high school drama that you deal with. But for the most part, the conversations that they're having are not the, a very typical high school type of conversation. So if you're if you're listening to this and you're thinking like, man, this sounds boring. This is just like high school kids wandering around an island talking about high school kids. Like it's, it's high school it kids is, this, with crazy things happening to them. So they've got it, something well, interesting it, to talk it's, about. It's this – if you played Life is Strange, and uh, these the games are not very similar in tone or anything like that, but there is some similarities to, like, normal high school kids with, like, an extreme situation. And if you liked that game, um, I, I do – if you liked how that game felt, I think you would like this game too. Without spoiling too much about the story, um, I think it might help to kind of set up who the characters are a little bit. Um, so there's there's five teens on the island. Hey, teens. And uh, you're playing as Alex. Alex is sort of a cool girl with blue hair. She's got a kind of a hip-looking red jacket on. Uh, she is dressed like Marty McFly from Back to the Future. That's <laughs> what she's dressed you're as. You're absolutely right. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yep. Um, so she's – No, you're, you're absolutely right. We um, all just had to let that sink in for a minute. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're totally right. Um, She totally is. It looks cool. Yeah. So Alex is going with her stepbrother Jonas, her new stepbrother Jonas, who she's only recently met, like like tonight or something, like pretty recently, um, to a party on the beach. Uh, Also accompanying them are uh, Ren. Stoner. Yeah. Although I didn't really get a big, like his character's a little more than just the stoner. Like he talks about weed like twice. So I think he's more like the adventurous drug taking friend. Like he's yeah. not just a stoner. Yeah. Like he's probably That's the one fair. who's like, you know, what are you doing tomorrow night? I picked up some shrooms from a Canadian. He's he's the uh, he's the fun adventurous friend, but in a way, he's kind of the most boring one. He's you know he's just sort of the like random white guy whose defining character trait is that he ate a pot brownie at the beginning of the game. Like I didn't I didn't see a whole lot of like interesting character development with Jonas, but he is he is Alex's closest friend in the game. Ren, yeah. Oop, Ren, excuse me. Uh, See, I'm mixing up their yeah. names, and I did that a lot towards the beginning of the game, because they're uh, the, the characters are small on screen, and until you learn what their voices sound like, it, it's kind of hard picking out who's who's who. I have a question for you. How old is Jonas? I think they're all in their, like, mid-teens, like 16. So, my question... My, the reason I ask that is because um, early on, there's a um, kind of like, a, I don't think this really matters. It's not really a spoiler. There's like this rumor that Jonas was in jail. Okay? <laughs> and then you find out, like, no, I wasn't in jail. He was in juvenile detention. If he's also 16, then why would everyone think he was in jail? You don't go to jail when you're Be- because 16. everyone do you, didn't you have like ludicrous rumors in your high school? Like, of course, it's like, more fun 
to say that he went to jail. You know, the the kid in the gym class, the one who doesn't talk much, he killed a guy. I swear, I heard it from my cousin who knows his mom. He killed a guy. That teacher burned down his house for insurance money. I thought he was 23 years old until, <laughs> like, voice acting. deep into the game. It's the voice acting. That would have been real creepy for him to be hanging out late at night alone on an island with a bunch of teens, though. Okay, maybe, like, 20, 22. You know, like, hey, yeah. new, new stepbrother, we're going to a beach party like i don't know i didn't think it was that weird it's just like he's older than these guys they all think he's he went to jail and then it's like oh he's still in high school too yeah it's kind of hard to place because you know it's it's like it's like teens in any media of the 80s we should probably say like this is supposed to be set in what the like late 80s early 90s i have no idea the pacific northwest everyone wears flannel anyway Yeah. yeah the dream of the live 90s is alive yeah I get I get the impression that it's meant to be a period piece, and I I'm not sure if they specifically say when it's set. Well, they don't have cell phones. Nope, because that was, that surely would have solved a lot of problems <laughs> had they had cell phones. Yeah, or do they? What are the What do they use as lights? Um, flashlights, like actual flashlights. Very retro. What? <laughs> who Who has an actual flashlight? There's an app for that. People who are going. Hiking in caves? <laughs> I don't know. If I was going to an island at night, I'd probably do a flashlight. It was a bad joke, Laura. You're, we're going too deep. <laughs> I'm such a killjoy. Retreat, retreat, retreat. Um, the, the other characters uh, the other characters are Nona and Clarissa. Um, Clarissa has some history with Alex uh, that I guess we'll kind of leave out for spoiler reasons, but she kind of gives off the like mean girl kind of vibe. She's a little older than Alex. You kind of wonder at first why she's hanging out with these folks. And then there's Nona who is sort of the quiet, I guess maybe slightly nerdy girl um, who uh, Ren has a huge crush on uh, from the beginning of the game. And so that's one of the like uh, ties there. So these five, take a ferry out to the island and find out that they're the only people who decided to go to this party. And so you're all just sort of hanging out on the beach when things that I would consider spoilers begin occurring. Is there anything else we want to say about the story before we hit a spoiler break? I just want to say that I thought the music in this game was fantastic. Um, it was creepy and nice at the same time when, when it mattered. And uh, I, I'm assuming it's been playing throughout this episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll be throwing as much of it in as I can. <laughs> it's really cool. Like, I, it's one of my some... favorite video game soundtracks of, uh, of the last year already. Of all of 2016. <laughs> I know there's some Morse code hidden in it that I heard bits and pieces. I didn't bother translating it. Oh, no, I didn't I try that I found that either. out after, yeah. The sound design is also just as good. I mean, there's tons of good ambient sounds. Um, there is... It is appropriately emotional when it needs mm-hmm. to be. And the yeah. the music is this great undercurrent that keeps you going, which is why it's even weirder when you get to a part where you're just walking and it's silent and the music's cut out. And you're <laughs> like, oh, I'm just not supposed to be here. Yeah. The, the music, by the way, is by... Um, it's one of those names that they've taken all the vowels out. I suppose it's supposed to be pronounced scientific, scientific although it's S-C-N-T-F-C. Um, and that is the person slash group, I really don't know which, uh, that did the music for Super Brothers, uh, Sword and Sorcery, among other things. Um, so, you know, 
obviously a great video game music composer. Um, I'll have a link to the download for the, uh, I think it's on Bandcamp, the, um, uh, the soundtrack. Yeah, it's great. Um, there were many times where I just kind of like stop and listen to it, um, which is always a good sign of a good video game song for me if I actually just kind of stop playing and just start listening. If we're cutting off before the spoiler break, I think it wouldn't hurt to kind of just give a, an overall assessment of the game. Like, you know, if somebody were to stop listening right now, um, should they play this game? Yes. All right. But we're if, done here. Let's go. <laughs> if you are a I, – I do think that, sure, there's going to be some people who don't like this type of game. Probably if you're listening to our show, you're probably into a game like this. Yeah. It, it, it is um, – and, you know, if you're not, that's cool. Uh, but if you like story-driven games um, that look and feel nice, sound nice, um, I, like, I don't know how you wouldn't like this game. There's – there's some stuff that I do think is not perfect, and honestly, a lot of it is for after this after this break. But um, I, I really enjoyed this game, and uh, we haven't hit on like any of the major themes and the plot devices that happen. Um, and I definitely recommend playing it if the first half of this has sounded even slightly intriguing for you, because the game is far crazier than what we've ma- what we've decided to talk about. In this first half. If you're going into this for a to the moon style, like emotional ringer, this is not necessarily that game. Yeah. At least not for me. Um, A lot of times people confuse dialogue heavy with like heart wrenching, weepy, you know, this is not necessarily that, but it is really um, at times it's peaceful. At times it's really frantic. It's got a nice, it controls pace very well. If you've listened this far, you know whether you were going to like this game or not, or at least enjoy playing through it. In terms of, you know, in that context, it's more like a uh, 80s teen adventure thriller or teen adventure horror kind of feel. But um, smarter. But smarter, yeah, than, than a lot of those were. Um, then you're like, you know, emotional, heavy. Like this was no, um, this was no The Walking Dead, the video game for me, for example. Like that game... I was, you know, torn by indecision, and there were tons of moments that just were emotionally wrenching. This that this doesn't really have that. This is more of a, a fun story told well. Um, I, I would say, like, I definitely recommend this game. Um, if you uh, if you get particularly frustrated by slight mechanical problems, like there were a lot of times where I thought that this game could have done a lot better if they had kind of taken a different approach to the um to the navigation you know you know sort of traversing the map and moving from point a to point b and i I found that element of the game um either uninteresting or frustrating and almost never delightful um but the dialogue was so good that it carried me through what was otherwise kind of mediocre like the um the the art is beautiful but is more of an obstruction to playing the game because there's no like it's not always clear where you can walk it's not always clear where you can climb it can it, it, there are definite moments that this game frustrated me and uh and uh, kind of kind of dimmed the the like luster of it a little bit but because all that was going on while there was great dialogue happening i never got frustrated enough by that to put the game down and i'm really glad i did finish it and it's only about 4 hours so i 100% recommend the game so uh here it is, your spoiler break. 
So after you have your beach bonfire party and you get drunk, and I was really hoping that drinking would actually have a consequence in this game. Because like teen movie style, like you had two, you had two beers, Alex. You are you such change. a moralizing You're... mom, Laura. How old are you? No, I wanted it to like have a fun consequence, like okay. someone to be like, "You're drunk." No, I mean I had like two beers in the party, and no one said a goddamn thing. So. You can Ugh. drink, you can drink a lot of beers standing there, like if you keep going back for them. I don't think I realized that. I think I just like sat down and was like. Okay, I guess I'm sitting now. Yeah, you just continuously drink that beer. Um, but then you get to go into a cave. Yeah, your friend, uh, Ren, eats a pot brownie. And then you get to decide if you want to stay out with him or go into the cave. And yeah. I mean, who's going to choose to not go in the cave? The thing with the radio uh, crops up for the first time here. And I think this is one of the more contrived things. Like, they really, to me, it really felt like they were like, we need another mechanic other than picking dialogue choices. What can we do for another mechanic? I feel like they designed around it. I think they were like, no one's done enough with sound as a central mechanic. I got it. We'll do a radio. Yeah, I thought it was nice. It didn't yeah. quite... Well, okay, I, I liked it the sound. It was shoehorned in a lot. I liked the way that it sounded. So, like, sound design-wise, yes, you're right. Like, it, it, it's a cool way to get some interesting interesting audio into the game in a way that has some sort of, you know, it, it, it feels of a piece with the game. Like, it's something that that's happening. Um, to explain, like, you bring a radio with you, a little hand radio, because according to local legend, if you stand in certain places on the island and tune a radio to a dead channel, you hear what? Creepy? Vibes. Spooks. Yeah. Yeah. Creepy spooks. I think they specifically say creepy spooks. Well, there are numerous places in the on the island where you can tune your radio to various frequencies to either hear explanatory text, which is a kind of like, um, you know, museum audio tour of the Pacific Northwest island that you're on, um, or to interact with, I guess, ghosts, right? I mean, we're post-spoiler break. We can say ghosts, right? <laughs> ghosts, yeah. Yeah. Uh, ghosts are maybe just trapped in an alternative dimension. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's not. Well, it's both. They I use guess. the word it's, ghosts a lot, but I think that it's probably more accurate uh, to say it's like a no, dimensions thing. It's ghosts stuck in another dimension. Yeah. It's both. both. Yeah. yeah. So you go into the, the, the cavern, and there's this weird sort of like triangle thing hovering in the air, and you tune your radio to kind of home in on it somehow and this malevolent voice from beyond um you know p possesses one of the teens and um that's sort of the thing that happens repeatedly in this game is that you will find an area where there are malevolent triangle ghosts you tune your radio to interact with the malevolent triangle ghosts they will say mean things to you and make threats of one kind and another um and then you proceed on to another part of the island where you try to learn more about why are these malevolent triangle ghosts threatening the teens. Yeah, it's cool. They're though. not shaped like triangles, just FYI. They, there's like a little triangle, like prism rift in space time. I don't know. Well, yeah, yeah. The, ghosts the ghost, are not into labels. The, the ghosts, the ghosts are not themselves triangles, um, but they're talking out of triangles in the air. The Gravity Falls Bill would be real at home here. <laughs> yeah, they're, the the triangles are the gate. To which the ghosts are speaking through, um, but they one thing that they do that I really thought was cool is, um, you know how uh, in like a TV show or movie when someone would write a ransom letter, uh, they'll do they'll cut out uh, 
exactly words from thinking. words from a magazine and paste them onto a onto a piece of paper uh, and like that's their ransom note. That's how these ghosts speak. Only instead of words cut out from a magazine, it's like different humans speaking. So it like they'll do an entire sentence where a totally different voice did each word of the sentence. Like it's all cut out of radio commercials or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a great collage. It's great. Yeah, it's actually kind of hard to understand what they're saying. Um, but it's a great effect because it's very – it's like this game uh, does a really good job of being spooky. Um, I thought there was – there's some stuff that's a little, you know, phoned in. But there's a lot of stuff where I was like, this is pretty messed up. Like these all these kids getting possessed. Yeah, and, and, and the art also gets really freaky at these points because the, the art has this sort of like, you know, um, little golden books kind of aesthetic sometimes. Like it seems very soft and very natural and very nature-based. And then suddenly, you know, kids are getting possessed and there's like red rays coming out of their eyes and they're, you know, there's a sort of a visual vibration to it. And one of my favorite effects is there's a sort of a interference that you see in the, when you're, you know, your game screen kind of has this, um, TV that's slightly badly tuned kind of effect that happens whenever the, the ghosts yeah. are, are appearing. So visually and the audio is just like dead on really great way to take what would just be a kind of a 2d game with, you know, there's not a lot of immersion in it and really make you feel that tension, even though it never really makes you unnerved. It, it's, it, it's definitely effective. And that mad desaturated, like gray mauve thing is mauve is purple. Gray green thing um, is suddenly like when someone gets possessed, they get super like neon red and the blood is strong and it's like limbo. Like you get the the contorted body of Limbo, but it's a character you've put a lot of investment in and not one you've seen in that position before. And that's really terrifying. Oh, yeah. yeah. They get, um, there's almost some, uh, it's not exactly body horror, but if you are like creeped out by like someone being like whipped into the air at like where their body is a rag doll and like thrown around, um, that happens to many yeah, characters. It, it looks and, rough. And you see uh, many characters, well, one specifically, but you see uh, like deaths of the characters that you enjoy, or at least you've come to know. Well, yeah, and, even and even really awful ones like on-screen suicides. On-screen suicides, like it's, and, and <laughs> I don't like to follow up that sentence with this, but this is when the game is working the best. Is, <laughs> it, like, <laughs> I actually agree with you. Hundred percent. Yeah. Cut out too. the sp- cut out the specifically on screen suicide. But the whole last thing that we've been talking about is when I loved this game. Like they handle the 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 tone switch so good, and it's so like dark and uncomfortable. Um, I, I, it was it was awesome. Yeah. The whole I, premise of the ghosts the the reason they keep getting more and more possession is because they're soaking into the body. Like, there's really good explanations for the supernatural. Yeah. In like in the sense of why they're doing the things they're doing, they give enough explanation, but they don't over-explain it. So I think just to give everybody you know an idea of why all this stuff is happening, we should kind of talk about like the core mechanic of the bad guys, and I think it's a pretty cool story. Um, basically, you know, we've been talking about we're on an island. Um, I guess in sometime maybe World War II era, uh, a nuclear submarine crashed right outside of this island, and everybody in it died. 
Um, and in doing or so... Or did they? Or did they? Uh, their ghosts were sent to another dimension. Um, and they have been trying to... Uh, they, I guess they live their deaths over and over and over and over. Um, at least that's what I gathered. Something like that. Yeah. Something it, something equally creepy, anyway. Yeah, where they're stuck in a they're stuck in a time loop, um, where they're like constantly dying and constantly feeling this pain. And they've kind of lost their humanity and their connection mm-hmm. with themselves and their their past. And all they want is to possess the teens as their way of escaping. They want to hitch a ride out on the teens. They can actually all, there's like 83 of them or something like that. Um, They can all possess like in this hive mind. That's why they speak that way. Mm -hmm. The like cut up ransom note style is because they're all kind of like one entity and they can all go into like one to five teens. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just split up the teens, you know. I'll, um, this team, this these twenty people will take teen A, and yeah. it it actually does a really good job of revealing that sort of information yeah. without feeling like a great big plot dump. You know, it, you learn a lot about the history of the island, which includes little scraps of information about the, uh, you know, the history of the uh, the submarine crash, but it also includes things like. Uh, the history of some people that lived on the island before and have clearly interacted with the ghosts uh, before you did. And so you get a lot of this information without without really doing a lot of, um, uh, without it really telling you a lot. Um, except that there is one scene where you do get kind of a, a story dump. It's a little late in the game and it, mm-hmm. it almost sort of feels like if you didn't get it by now, here's a literal PowerPoint presentation where, you know, oh. we break into an old yeah. woman's home and watch a, a set of slides that she has assembled that literally explains this stuff in case you missed it before. Did you not tune into the exposition anywhere else in this game? Well, you could still finish it. Here's yeah. a power, here's a slideshow. Literally a slideshow. They have some really cool exposition exposition dumps in the forms of the ghosts just straight up messing with these kids. Um, there's terrifying one, exposition. Yeah, dumps. terrifying. Uh, there's one um, Jonas and Alex enter into it looks like an old classroom, and the ghosts uh, possess Jonas and force Alex yourself to essentially play like a quiz show where they're asking you questions. Um, like how many people died on the submarine that day, and you have to answer. And on the chalkboard, they have a hangman um, game going. And every time you answer it wrong, they like draw more hangman stuff. And and Jonas is like being flung around the room, covered in blood, and all red red eyed. And it's super creepy um, and very effective. Speaking of that scene, that's also I think the first time that we run into the thing with the mirrors in this game. And that's something that you and I. And, and Laura kind of got different experiences with. I was the first person on my, I played this on launch day. And so I was the first person on my Steam list uh, to play um, this game. And so there were several points, that one and a couple of others at least, where for no apparent reason other than, hey, creepiness, um, it suddenly flashed, you know, Alex, you're playing as Alex, behind a mirror. And you saw a scene through the mirror that was unrelated. Like you'd start by seeing yourself in a mirror and suddenly you were behind the mirror and you uh, had some dialogue choices that made no sense at all, giving some uh, some advice to the person behind the mirror. And you only had these 
three or four dialogue choices and none of them made any sense because they were referring to things that hadn't occurred yet, which was creepy, unnerving, really interesting. You know, it kind of played on the time loop thing. But I realized later when talking to you guys about it that that's that was just like I feel like my experience was sort of like the well, if we can't do the really cool thing, we'll do this other thing kind of thing. Like what happened for you guys? Uh, I immediately text both of you uh, or send it to our Slack channel because I walked past the mirror and your gamer tag, uh, Reagan K. Ray Gank was in that Ray, mirror. Yeah, Ray Gank is floating there. And then those same little text bubbles come out, but it shows me which one you selected. And I'm like, so Reagan just told me to not let Jonas talk to his mom. And you haven't even really heard about Jonas's mom at that point. Yeah, I have no idea what it's talking about. And for what it's worth, I absolutely still did let Jonas talk to his mom. <laughs> I, I did. I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to let you tell me how to live my life, Reagan. Um, you should have listened to Reagan <laughs> K. But for what it's worth, at the end of the game, I then had the opportunity to go through and make those selections. So I assume – if I have any friends that I'm with on Steam, they may get a mix of like me and maybe if they're like like if Shane went through and played this game, they'd probably get a mix of all three of us. Yeah, I would um, say it's not so late that you know the outcomes of those decisions. So it, it's still early. It's still before you had the opportunity of Jonas listen to it. It's still before the last scene with Michael. So you will still be giving uninformed advice. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what's interesting about this is that, like, I've seen other games where, like, first of all, Telltale and other games like that always have a thing at the end uh, where you see what your choices were and can compare them against your friends. And that's pretty much standard for this sort of adventure game now. Um, Not in this one. But yeah, what I thought was really interesting here was that they really made it fit thematically and even sort of story-wise into the into the game. Like, this sort of, like, creepy... Uh, out of context, out of time, uh, interaction with another version of yourself just felt very much like it, it belonged in the game. It wasn't just something that happened. Um, and the fact yeah. that it was coming from, you know, somebody on your steam friends list is even cooler. Yeah. One thing that we haven't really touched on it as much, um, is like time is a big deal. There's forward in time, backward in time, time loops, which were super effective. Um, the time loops in particular where you'd play out a scene and then you, it would go like, the like TV going out of focus, like, and it would go back to the beginning and you'd play the scene again. Yeah. You and Alex recognizing that you are entering the exact same moment, but everyone else not really noticing it though. The more it happens, they kind of start to realize like, didn't we just do this? Um, it's a really, it's a really good storytelling. Or device. flashing back to scenes that happened before you ever ended up on the Island, even you know mm -hmm. years ago with your uh, older brother who's, uh, now dead. Um, I just realized we just described like half the plot of Lost as well. <laughs> there is one before we get into the ending. There's one kind of big thing we're not um, mentioning, and there is a big fetch quest. I was are, not a huge fan of the big fetch quest. Are you, you talking about the letters? Well, they're optional, right? Yeah, you have yeah. the option if you want to run around and um, grab. Um, all these letters that are hidden in little caches by Mary Adler and you tune into the radio to a frequency where she's hidden clues and the clues are basically saying something and then spelling it out with a uh, NATO alphabet. <laughs> hmm. 
and then also when you walk past where a letter's hidden, it like shines, like it did in the games I played for little kids, like yeah. a little shiny thing on the ground. Um, the letters were good and well written. I just it was so late in the game that there was no real reason to go run around the whole island again. Yeah, it was kind of weird to introduce collectible like halfway through. I, the, they're always in your hut. Like if you go to the options menu, letters are permanently there. And I wish they hadn't told me that I'd be fetching letters later. It was a little disappointing. It, it felt like an afterthought. I, I collected the ones that I happened across, but I think I probably only got like 25% of them. And I didn't feel like I really missed out on yeah. anything like the letters i did read they did shed a little bit of light on this particular chapter of the history of the island which is that you know mary adler the old lady that lived on the island well it's clear that when she was younger she had an interaction with these um sailors on the uh, uh the dead sailors the triangle ghosts she she encountered them when she was younger um but like if you don't learn about that like if you don't pick up mary adler's letters you'll still get most of the story you'll still understand most of what's going on so it really is just an optional collectible it it bothered me a little bit but not that much i only found like two of them and i feel like i really have a pretty good understanding of what Ma- mary Ad- maggie damn it maggie adler um yeah. had to do like why she was there and what her role was and i only found a couple of them and you're right it's like the end, or at least you're, um, I would say you're, you at have like, to, you have to have the upgraded radio before you can find yeah, it at all. And you're at like the crest right before the climax of the story. And they're like, Oh, Hey, how about you go explore the whole Island again and find all these hidden objects? And you're like, no, I'm going to go fight the, I'm going to go fight these ghosts. Yeah. Like I'm done. Also at that point, it's like the dialogue's over. So if you are going to spend <laughs> that time to go wander around the Island, you're doing it yeah. in dead silence. So. Yeah, and you're Alone. like, yeah, one of my friends might be dead. Like, I need to, I'm not going to wander around looking for notes. Yeah, struggling with some of the most frustrating, like, terrain traversal uh, (laughs) controls of all time without (laughs) anybody to talk to you while you, while you hobble over the low walls. Like, yeah, I, I, I essentially just disregarded it. I was like, oh, same here. Okay. Whatever. Kept going. <laughs> and at that point, you know, I was also really eager to get to the ending yeah, because I was really I was, curious about what was going to happen. And I'd say that the ending was a pretty good payoff. Yeah, I, I loved shooting all the way to the end. The ghosts have Clarissa. I'm assuming everyone, the ghosts had Clarissa, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah I think so. Um, the, the ghosts had Clarissa. And they essentially offer uh, Alex a couple different deals. Um, one is which... They could just take Clarissa, um, and everyone else is fine, or uh, they'll kill everyone, or Clarissa or uh, Alex could save her friends, but essentially kill herself. Like that's kind of like the ultimate climax, um, and you're not really given the option to decide one of those three. Though you can, with Alex, you can be like, no, never, never. Why? I'm not going to turn my friends. Um, you can. But- yeah, there's um, there's some ways. Is there- are so, there real, true, multiple endings? To yes. This? yes, yes, there definitely okay. are. You um, can walk okay. out of that gap and just leave Clarissa to die. Uh, you can make a deal with the entity that they can take Clarissa, and you're okay with it as long as they let the rest of you go. Um, you and, and in that case, uh, it like sacrifices Clarissa and erases her from everyone's memories. Um, okay, well, that's a little bit. There's uh, you can you can. 
Um, I mean, this is we're talking a lot of spoilers here. There's a lot of possible endings, and there's a lot of variations on the endings. So, for example, like you can decide um, it, some of your choices decide whether you are able to um, exploit this uh, this opportunity to bring your dead brother Michael back from. You the have dead. no idea you're doing that. Yeah, that's way. that's uh, that's sort of. They don't hint at it. You just yeah. are talking to your brother Michael, and then something you did. Yeah, it kind of either happens or doesn't, and it's it's because you flash back and have these conversations with Michael, and if you're really paying attention, you realize that, well, if Michael had, um, I think it was if he left for college, then he wouldn't have been there on the day that he drowned or something like if that. he didn't run away with Clarissa. Right. So um, if you're really paying attention, you might be able to kind of uh, decide on that choice, but it and sort of Ray just Gank happens. And Ray Gank told us not to. <laughs> he did. I didn't know what I was doing. Don't influence Michael. I didn't know. Yeah. So um, my ending was that I said, no, I'm staying. I'm not going to sacrifice anyone. We're getting out of here. We're going to do it. And it it climaxes in Alex basically talking them down. And it happens really quickly. And she's just like, remember your humanity. One of you was named Henry, which we learned from the, uh, from the somewhere in the, in the game. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) I had Calvin because I read more letters than you did. Oh, yeah. maybe it was the like the two letters that I read, and they're like, "Remember, you're Henry," and they're like, "Henry, <laughs> Henry," and then they remember that they're human, and they're like, "Okay, you can go." And it's just like, man, really? <laughs> like they've been they've been trying to get humans for like seventy or fifty years or whatever, and all it takes is us being like, "Your name is Henry," and they're like. Oh, you're oh, right. Oh, man, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Oh, We're I such forgot. such terrible people. I forgot I was people. Henry. We forgot that. Yeah. And it's like, they're like evil monsters that literally have them, they enact these teenagers killing themselves in front of you a couple of times. Just to mess and, with you, yeah. Just to mess with you. And I was like, they're not getting talked down by just saying that. I, I just... I didn't think it, that was a very. Uh, I was a little unsatisfied with that. Now it does have that a, scene a played twist. out okay for me. I think um, uh, I, I don't know what else I would have expected there. Really, I hear you, but I don't know if that. I don't think that part of it really bothered me that much. And um, I'm nitpicking, but I was just like it. It wrapped up that conversation, them going like everything led up to it, and then you saying something to the effect of "Your name is Henry." It was like. 25 seconds later, the story was resolved. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, that was the magic words. If only Maggie had said your name is Henry once in the 50 years <laughs> that she'd been, uh, you know, fighting with them. Like, or did she? Or did she? Because time loops. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, um, and then did you get the, the ending of the, like, the real what a twist ending, ending. Yes, I'm pretty sure that that happens in. E- so there's a okay. lot of variations on the ending. It ends with a very sort of like I would almost say sort of Breakfast Club type ending where it says um, it zooms around a photo. Yeah, yeah it it yeah. shows a photo of whoever happened to have survived, which can vary, and tells you uh, where everybody's ended up. You know, Clarissa got a dog and went to college or whatever. Um, once it finishes telling you all of this, uh, Alex says, "Oh, I." I got to go, got to go meet up with my new uh, stepbrother. We're going to this dumb island party. I hope it's not awful. Da-na-na. Da-na-na. You realize she's glitch, caught glitch, in glitch. a time loop. She's in a time loop, which just like the sailors. So like, did she actually 
or did they actually get out? I like I get that. Like, there's a it leaves a lot of questions at the yeah, end. Like, I, I like the ambiguity of the ending. I, I'm I'm a little tired of twist endings, but then again, it's sort of obligatory yeah. in almost everything that has any sort of horror aspect to it. Like, you got to get that last like. Carrie's hand shoots up out of the out of the dirt for no reason. Dig yeah. in, you know. You or have anything, to have that at the end. Anything with time loops on a micro level, like oh, it turns out the whole thing. Of was course, a time it was loop. a time loop. Yeah. yeah. So I I thought the ending was totally serviceable and it worked for me. And I actually I, I liked the you know Breakfast Clubby catch up with all the characters and where where are yeah. they now kind of thing at the end. Um, and the uh, and the time loop ending didn't really bother me. Um, so yeah. I'd say, like, my main complaint about the ending is that it, it that the variations that, you know, you, you have a lot of choices you can make throughout the game. There are a lot of variations, but all of them are relatively inconsequential. Like, they're, um, you know, it's whether, how, uh, who ends up dating who at the end, or it's not so much that they're inconsequential. Like, you, you do have choices that end up deciding, for example, like, is Michael alive or dead? It's really just that the consequences are only seen in that one scene at the end and it's just a monologue where you know you're being kind of told how things shook out. I really would have liked a couple more scenes toward the end. I would have liked more denouement, more opportunity to see the characters talking to each other after this whole experience and kind of see those the the effects of my choices in dialogue rather than just as a monologue. Yeah. Yeah, I um I really enjoyed the whole story overall, and my and my opinions on the ending are obviously to my specific one, because um, mine basically like everyone survived, and uh, Alex like sweet talked the murderous ghosts like <laughs> pretty quickly out of everything. It's just like that's not super satisfying. But I also like she kept saying like we're gonna get out of here no matter what. So I thought mm-hmm. it would climax in like a like. Ah, you know, like she like defeats the go or like something a little bit. And more then you have to pull off a sweet combo move in order to. Yeah, to like I don't know. Then, or like, like all of a sudden you're just out. Yeah, it's yeah. true. And like yeah. I wake up on a ship and my brother's on it. So I'm like, cool. Everyone's on this boat. There is no climax. Like I just you're just yeah. on a boat and you're leaving the island and you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Did I win? The game ended for me. <laughs> yeah, the game has a lot of branching dialogue, but not really a lot of branching plot. Like the 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 actual consequences of your dialogue choices mostly have to do with who says what and not who does what, which is fine. But it it you know it, it did feel like when it got down to the end and they showed me the little pie charts for like you did this and your friends did this and the wider internet did this. It didn't feel like my choices were quite as huge or consequential as they feel in something like a Telltale game or a um, uh, like Life is Strange, things like that. The the effects of the choices mostly just had to do with how people felt about each other and what sort of things they were saying to each other rather than mm-hmm. like what actually happened. That said, the dialogue was really good and it did yeah. really respond to what you were doing in the in the choices. Like the dialogue was very responsive. I, I would say I enjoyed the dialogue more than most of the tell, Telltale games. Yeah. Um, I think the Telltale games have more weight probably, but they're not as like – this was a thriller more than it was a story. Like It's like somehow more a thriller than a zombie game, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, I would highly recommend – Anyone play this game um, if they like, uh, you know, thrilling story games. So, and it's available on Steam for twenty bucks, and uh, it 
Uh, it's available for Mac and Windows. That was a big help for me because I didn't have to boot over to Windows for it. Ran great on Mac, just fine. Um, and it's also out on the Xbox One. That's It's console exclusive to the Xbox One. I think they had a, uh, a deal with Microsoft there. So uh, not out on the PlayStation. If, you, uh, if you're waiting for a console release, you're probably likely to be waiting a while. So I would pick this up and play it on your computer. Um, works great with a controller, but you can also play it with a mouse and keyboard. And um, took me about four hours to complete. So next week on The Short Game, uh, a game that we have literally been talking about since the very first episode of this show. On episode one of The Short Game, uh, we talked about uh, how we had just heard uh, an announcement about a game that sounded really neat called Firewatch. Ah, those many years ago. And by years, I mean like a year and a half-ish, About a year and a half or so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So Firewatch is finally coming out. When we record this, tomorrow. When you hear this, probably a couple of days ago, why haven't you already downloaded it yet? I mean, I can't say that for sure. I haven't played the game yet, but it uh, has been getting pretty great reviews. It's coming out tomorrow, and um, we can't wait to talk about it. So this will probably be one of our shortest turnarounds between game release and uh, and review uh, for a game where we didn't get explicitly like pre-release um, uh, codes. So can't wait to talk about that next week. And um, thank you so much for joining us this week on The Short Game. I've been your host, Reagan Kelly. You can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. And you can find our show on Twitter as well. That's at underscore short game or www.theshortgame.net where you'll find a contact form and email. And we love hearing from you. So if you have a a game that you're interested in that you think we ought to be covering, uh, you should let us know. Or if you have feedback about an old episode, uh, send us that too. We, We get warm, fuzzy feelings out of that. Also, if you haven't, you should leave us a review on iTunes, which is always a huge huge help. Uh, it helps keep the show visible and get it in front of new audiences. And that's very important to us, of course. Also, just share it with your friends. Do that. You should tell people about it. And of course, I was joined this week by my two awesome, awesome co-hosts. Thank you again, Laura Nash. Where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And Nate Heininger. Where can people find you? On Twitter at Nate STL. And thank you again, listener, for joining us on this week's episode of The Short Game.